0: Whether you keep them in your home or love to see them in theirs, these are the creatures that bring us all together. Reptiles. Reptiles. We're going to be delving into
1: the experiences of reptile lovers from around the block and around the world. This, this is, is the reptile, reptile Talk Podcast. What's going on, everybody? I'm Jeremy Turgeon from Brassman Reptiles. And I'm Rob, and I'm creeping it real. And... This is what, episode six? Six, yeah. Episode, episode six. six. We're
0: six. deep in this now.
1: Damn. <laughs> we're almost at 10. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um, so today's episode is pretty freaking sweet. I
0: am super excited to have on the guest we have on tonight. Do you want to tell them who we have on? <laughs> <laughs> so tonight we're going to be talking to Ryan Martinez, who is a zookeeper at Zoo Miami. And one of my good friends, who I've known for a little about a decade now, I don't know, he's pretty cool. So what's <laughs> what's up, man? How you doing?
2: What's up, guys? How y'all doing over there?
0: We pretty good, man. Are doing fantastic,
1: fantastic, fantastic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, jumping right into it, man. I mean, you oh. seem to have done just a little bit of everything. So I guess we should start from like the beginning. What really got it you into like unusual animals?
2: Oh, man. Um, I mean, it, it started long before I can even remember, you know, everybody like us kind of grows up around animals. I guess for the most part, you grew up around them. Some people are introduced later on. Uh, people like yeah, us I grew into up, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people like us are into it from the beginning, you know, like from before you can remember. Um, my mom was always into animals and my dad too, but my mom always had like turtles and, and stuff like that growing up and um like i was born in new york but i grew up in florida and so there's all kinds of stuff running around and uh you know i just grew up catching lizards and snakes in my backyard it's funny i I actually grew up within visible distance of strictly reptiles which i know you guys are familiar with oh wow Um, that's
3: awesome (laughs) so you find all sorts of crazy stuff
2: (laughs) all kinds of crazy things growing up you know i was catching (laughs) in my backyard and running the streets and, and doing stuff like that so you know i was always into it and then i grew up Like walking distance from this place called the Native Village, and you guys have probably heard me talk about it, Mm -hmm. um, you know, on on my post before, probably Mm -hmm. some of the other guys that you see on Instagram. Um, It was, you know, it was like a small local wildlife, you know, zoo. It was owned, or it was on seminal property, and uh, it just had all the cool stuff. You know, growing up, my mom would take me there. I had this little like pin that I had that would get me in free, so we'd go all the time, and I'd watch like watch alligator wrestling shows and watch these guys handle, you know, venomous snakes and stuff like that. And I always just thought it was, you know, the coolest thing. So when I was old enough, I started uh, volunteering there. And that's, that's really where everything sort of kicked off from. Like, that was ground zero for, you know, my animal career.
0: So what was your like ambitions initially? Did you did you go straight for like, ah, oh, man, I gotta be a zookeeper? Or were you like, ah, oh, man, I wanna do this thing? Or like, cause some people get into it and they're like, ah, oh, man, I just wanna be a breeder. I wanna breed all these millions of things. And then there's some people who are like, nah, I just wanna do it for conservation. There's some people who it evolves and changes as they go. So like, did, were you initially just like, man, I wanna wrestle alligators or do you wanna become a zookeeper? Or where, where were you at for that? Yeah, it's,
2: I didn't really have plans. I just wanted to be around animals. Like I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just had to be with the animals, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I never really thought further than that. And so like when I started there, alligator wrestling was, was great. You know, it was a big thrill, you know, when you're in high school and all those hormones are raging, like that's like (laughs) cool stuff to do. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like it was just, it was the thing to do. And and I loved it, you know? And, um, I wasn't, like, into breeding or anything. Like, I kept reptiles at home, but it was, like, you know, one of these and one of that. And I wasn't, like, a a breeder until after I started there, like, way down the line when I started meeting, like, reptile people is when I got more into breeding. Um, But, yeah, like, the alligator wrestling thing, was it was cool for a few years. And then, like, the more I did it, the more I sort of, like, realized that I didn't actually enjoy it anymore. And I sort of looked at it a little bit differently, you know, and, and the more I grew within my career, cause that, that job obviously led to other jobs and then eventually to where I am now. Um, and so the, the more I grew through my career, like the more I realized, like I can do a really cool alligator show without even touching the animal, Yeah. you know, because alligator wrestling, it's, I hate to say it, but it's about the wrestler themselves. Like, you know, sort of a man versus beast kind of thing. And you yeah, know, yeah. You're, you're there to entertain the audience yeah, like a lot of people do, you know, education during their shows, but um, most of it is, you know, your tips are based off of the tricks that you do and, and how close you come to getting bit. And, you know, so it's kind of about the person more than the animal. And as I got older and, and a little bit, you know, more experienced, I, I wanted to make my presentations more about the animal because alligators are, are incredible animals. We all love alligators growing up. If you like reptiles, you love alligators. And so I started to sort of switch um, from, you know, the show being about me to educating people about the actual animals themselves. And and I I found that it got a really great responses and I felt happier, you know, the animals are healthier at the end of the day. And so things definitely changed throughout the years as I sort of progressed through my career.
1: That's awesome. Uh,
0: Yeah, and we we stopped by um, Tom Crutchfield's place, and he was mentioning how that he was changing as he's gotten older, too. He said that, like, when he used to do alligator shows, it was all about, look at how tough I am, and look at how, you know, I can make this animal do things, and look at how fucking crazy I am. Um, But then, you know, as he's gotten older, he's like, you know, he's really admiring the people who are doing the shows now who aren't, like, it's not a pitting against one another it's showing how smart they are and how you can train them and and all the different things that they can learn it's showing that they're not just some like dumb mindless killing machine it's that they're you know like these magnificent creatures and I feel like the public's now just like ready to accept that because I feel like you know before people weren't ready to accept the idea that a lizard could be smart yeah right right
2: (laughs) yeah and that's it's funny that you brought that up because in in my original alligator wrestling presentations I would actually talk about how an alligator is just like a frog with teeth. I was like, yeah, they're just, they don't have much going on upstairs and, you know, they're not very bright. They're just instinctual. You know, they're really good at what they do, but that's about it. Yeah. And I was totally wrong about that. Alligators are incredibly intelligent, you know, mm-hmm. crocodilians in general and reptiles, as we're, we're finding out more and more. Mm-hmm. I mean, every week I see something on Instagram where I'm like, Oh my God, that's, you know, incredible. It's yeah. some reptile showing some cognitive, you know, function. And um, so, yeah, as you sort of progress through that and see enough alligators and work with them long enough that you're going to see that there is intelligence there. And so there's a, a friend of mine, his name is John, um, Otter John, a lot of people know who he is. He kind of grew up around here doing the same thing, alligator wrestling. And I love watching his shows because he was he was always about the animal. And uh, he really know he's a really good animal trainer. Um, he's done a lot with, you know, otters and, and raccoons and cougars and stuff like that. Um, but he, he does a lot with alligators as well, and he's still doing alligator shows and I love watching them because he doesn't do a lot of wrestling. He might go in there He might job hop once or something like that But that's it and the rest of the show is all about the animal and he can have them You know on verbal commands just come up towards him and, and do something and You know station and all sorts of stuff like that and uh Those guys at, at wild florida are doing the same thing They're doing a lot of like station training and open mouth training and stuff like that And I think that's really really cool because it shows people that these animals are intelligent, you know, they, they they're sentient and and, uh, they know what's going on. They can figure things out. And I think that's something that people need to see in order to appreciate those animals a little bit more. You know what I'm saying?
1: That's so true. Yeah. It's not just some big dumb lizard. It's like, yeah, it's, you can almost, it's like you, you have to start to get people to equate an alligator to like their dog, right? you know, like something they can train, something they can have some kind of, intellectual connection with, otherwise they're like, ah, it was awesome, it's a big lizard.
2: Yeah. You know? Right, right, right. Exactly. Because
0: if they go to a show and they see, you know, I'm this guy and I just pulled this giant alligator out of the thing, and then I, you know, grabbed its jaws and I'm wrestling it all over the place, so when they leave, they're remembering, you, oh, yeah. this guy went crazy on this alligator, but if you go, <laughs> right. hey, this is our alligator, you know, so-and-so, uh, he knows his name and then call different names, and then as soon as you call his name he knows it and he comes to you that's like one of the craziest things that like blew my mind at gatorland was you know uh, savannah would call to the alligator like by name and that specific alligator would come up and i was like wow none of the rest of them would move but that one knew like when it heard its name it was like boom i'm there
2: that's it yeah that stuff will blow your mind savannah is is amazing with the, the crocs that she works with and uh yeah like when you leave the old wrestling shows you leave just thinking about how awesome or crazy you know that guy was but when you leave you know the shows where people are educating about those animals and showing you you know their their mental function um it's it's really mind-blowing what these animals can do and like you said you know savannah calling individual alligators by name out of the water and just that animal comes out like
3: mm-hmm. you know
2: that'll blow people's socks off it's yeah. that's incredible <laughs> you know and, and then you get into things like cuban crocodiles which are like problem solving like yeah, yeah. <laughs> the whole it's a whole different story you
0: know, so. The scary smart ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, they really are. They really, really are. Yeah. They're such cool creatures, though. So, like, um, you you started out, you know, working in, in those places and doing alligator shows and stuff like that. And then, you know, fast forwarding a little bit to where you're at now, how did you end up getting to to Zoo yeah. Miami?
2: It, it's funny. Um, I'll tell you the whole story. Kind of interesting. I was working for a, like a science museum, like a kid's science museum for a little while, Mm -hmm. just as a part-time job. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, this was probably, this was right after high school or so I was in college. And, um, I had to go to court for something one day i think it was like speeding tickets or something i had to go to court and uh the court was right next to the museum that i was working for so on my way home i stopped by the museum because at that time the supervisor let me take rodents home to feed my own snakes yeah
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, so i stopped by to grab some rodents to, to feed my snakes at home and a couple of the people they were like hey we're, we're going to a conference down at at uh, metro zoo you want to go with us and i was like oh man i i would love to I'm, I'm not really dressed for it I had like a suit and tie on and everything." This one guy was like, no, 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 I, I got a t shirt and gym shorts in my trunk. Like, you can you can wear that. Let's just go. And so I hopped in the car in these dirty clothes and, and we went to this conference. <laughs> and, and it was every zoo from Florida. It was called FAZE, it's Florida Association of so Zoological Educators. And uh, there's all these zoos from Florida and everyone's in like these nice polos and oh, name tags <laughs> and stuff. And they're supposed so you to be dressed there. I was for it. Yeah. And, <laughs> I was, I probably would have been better off wearing what I was. Yeah. Um, I sat there looking like a ton And, uh, um, and it was the best meeting ever man I, I met a bunch of people i had a really good time i learned a lot and i met my buddy willie um this is the first time we met he wasn't my buddy then but we met and um he was working at the zoo he was the one sort of helping put on the conference and um we just sort of hit it off and, and eventually he was able to get me a job in education um and then from there i just did like internships within the zoo got a keeper position and then just sort of moved up from there uh, to where i am now so it was like a series of really interesting events that kind of led to it. Um, but now that I'm here, I'm happy and I absolutely love what I do. I love the animals I work with. You know it's a really great zoo. You guys were there, you
0: know. The, the my one world. regret for visiting was that we didn't take a whole day to check out the zoo because I was like, oh, we're gonna go down there, we're gonna check out these things, and then you know we'll go I didn't realize how yeah. huge of a zoo that is because yeah. like yeah. it is easily double the size of every zoo in New England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's it's
2: massive i think i don't want to spread false information but i think we're one of the largest by like area um in the country you know we're, we're a very large zoo and so much that um people like rent bicycles to go through the entire zoo like these, these four-wheeled so family bicycles <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no it's all they'll, they'll run people over and it's, it's crazy but yeah like, it's a really big slow? zoo <laughs> yeah it's cra- great <laughs> like the the a lot of times the parents like lift their legs and the kids will just be the ones pedaling. <laughs> 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 like, oh, is this so difficult.
0: No, no. It's, it's just in your that. mind. You got to pedal harder. Yeah, right. Right. It's in your
2: mind. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. there's some good people watching there, but yeah, it's, it's a really big zoo. It has a huge collection and, um, you know, we do a, a lot of work for conservation. We breed a lot of, you know, really rare endangered and species. And, um, we even do some, uh, like repopulation projects, um, i know we have our, our puerto rican crested toad project that yeah. my friend cindy works on
0: you know so cindy cool. yes yeah um, I, i've yeah. known cindy for a while and, and she's you know those things are so freaking cool i remember when she said yes. i was like oh man those things are amazing yeah they're super cool toads she does a really great
2: job with them, man. and then she gets to travel to puerto rico to release tadpoles and stuff that's, know, and that's
0: sweet
2: yeah, cool that's so awesome um which is, you know, that's like real conservation work. We're, we're putting animals back into the wild. We're conserving the habitat that they have out there, so that when we do release them, they have somewhere to live. And, you know, it's a really awesome thing. Um, we've a couple other things, like Guam kingfishers, that go back for re-release and stuff like that. So, there's a lot of really cool projects that that go on over there.
1: That's awesome. Think, yeah. Man, that's uh, like ah, uh, that's like the ultimate goal. To just <laughs> to to be able to do that, you know? Like, I mean. You think about like any chance any chance you get to breed or reproduce something is is awesome but when you have that greater goal of just like we're doing this and then we're we literally get to the species send this back yeah you know yeah. to where it goes that's that's right. a whole other level
2: yeah it's super gratifying you know and, and uh we even have some other frog projects i think in costa rica that we're we're working on to uh um, do a lot of frog stuff but yeah it's just it's you know, it's what you want to do. Like, we can breed things that were blue in the face, and if they stay in, you know, human collections, like that's one thing. But to to bring them back to where they belong is is just, you know, incredible.
0: Yeah, especially um, where so. they're conserving some of that habitat for them, because there's a lot of people who get on captive breeding and they're like, oh, this is you know terrible. They should be in the wild, and it's like a lot of places they're losing that habitat. Like, I want to go to Borneo and and Sumatra, and a lot of that habitat is just gone. Like. Yeah, deforestation and, and palm oil and all this stuff. Yeah, but palm it's like, oil and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's gone. And and to mm-hmm. try and say that that animal just, like, it needs to be in the wild, it's like the wild's almost gone there. <laughs> there's, there's, yeah. there's hardly any of it left for these animals to survive and thrive on.
2: Exactly. I did that question thing on my story, like, last week or the week before, and someone asked, you know, what's the best way to conserve species? And, and I, like, I had to think about it for a second, but I was like, you have to conserve their habitats the habitat. first. Yeah. Again, you could you could bring them mm-hmm. till you are blue in the face, but if you have nowhere to put them, like what's the point? You know, we we gotta protect the natural areas yeah, so that these animals so true, have man. a place to, to actually fucking live, you know? So are we I just dropped an F bomb. Are we cool with that?
0: Yeah we're cool man. Oh
1: dude we're so <laughs> fucking cool with we are that fucking, fucking shit
0: with dude. it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's something that, that's like like I was saying with the alligator shows, I think that it's something that people right now are ready to hear. Because if you had told yeah. people in the 90s, we, hey, look, we need to save this forest right here uh, for these frogs, people would be like, get the hell out of here. we got to put up a Walmart. <laughs> fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah. They, they would be <laughs> upset about it. And I think that just right. now people are starting to come to that realization that, hey, if we care about... These animals. If we're saying, if we're telling people that we care about these animals, we also have yeah. to care about the areas where the animals live, not just about the individual animal itself, but all the areas where they're found, all the places where they raise their yeah. young, all those different things play a role, what that animal eats, you mm-hmm. know, okay. if, if you're wiping out, a lot of people are like, oh, well, get rid of all the insects because insects are terrible, and it's like, you don't understand how many animals in an ecosystem yeah. rely on those insects to?
2: The world runs on, on insects, literally. Yeah. literally. So yeah. true.
0: and and it's like yeah. it's, it's just a conversation that people are or haven't previously been ready to talk yeah. about. Yeah,
2: and and like other people <laughs> be like, oh, well, why are you like breeding,
0: you know, toads? Like, what's the point of that? Nobody likes toads. Like,
2: why wouldn't you breed <laughs> something else, like tigers and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. We do breed, you know, pure species tigers. Um, yeah. but like, those like those animals like toads are are. Vital to the ecosystems where they come from. They're food for other animals. They control other animals. They're indicator species. If something's wrong in that environment, you know, amphibians are usually the first ones to go. Mm-hmm. and They're going to tell you that there's something wrong here and we need to do something about it. And so, you know, you can't be choosy about which animals you, you know, want to repopulate the earth with. You, you have to do all of them and you have to start with, you know, from the bottom of the food chain and, and work up because everything relies on everything. It's all, you know, an interconnected web and we got to do what we can to protect that. So. Yeah, it's definitely, can't
0: be I, I think that the yeah. indicator species thing is huge and and that's something that people really should be focusing on because amphibians let you know when something's like crucially wrong before most other creatures will let you know amphibians are right there when you start seeing yeah. issues with your amphibian population you know that there's bigger issues that are about to come for everything else yeah exactly I exactly. think for the
1: general public there's again that aspect of like there's the disconnect. Mm-hmm. between like ah it's me or the toad well fuck the toad yeah you know but it's like, like it's not what it is it's not what it is <laughs> yeah but and it's like the same with bugs yeah you know and yeah. like we were just talking about with the alligator shows like for most people it's like oh well it's a big lizard and it's on my private property i want to get rid of that fucking yeah. thing you know it's a nuisance right. but it's like actually it plays a huge vital part and if they no longer exist everything else is going to slowly start to fall apart. And until yeah. that connection starts to happen with people, you, you it, it's going to be that much harder. I think one of the things that may actually help in the long run, since it seems like these conversations are becoming a little bit more prevalent is as much as I don't want to talk about it, this COVID nonsense. We've been seeing the articles kind of popping up here and there about how uh, like um, air flows and like certain currents have like kind of shifted back Mm-hmm. a little bit right. to a more normal status um, from just, you know, a month and a half of people not being outside, Yeah, you know, and in their cars and yeah. doing all this stuff. So it's like if that, you know, continu- if that trend kind of continues and you can see that literally worldwide, hey, because we all stopped being pieces of crap <laughs> for like a month and a half, you know, the the earth yeah. started to heal itself a, little, a bit. little bit. You know, maybe it'll get people's minds going a little bit. You know, of just being like one can hey, <laughs> you know. At least to be able to initiate some new conversations yeah. about it.
2: Yeah. Know? I'm hoping it'll be a bit of an eye opener, you know. If we're if we're seeing those types of changes already, you know, in just what a month that we've Yeah we've been you know, seeing changes. Um, you know, just imagine what we could see in a year or you yeah. know, five years if we kept up with, you know, certain things. Exactly. Um, so hopefully hopefully it'll be an eye opener for for some of us.
1: We can only hope. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Oh, yeah. man. Okay, so I want to know. This is like, I hate asking these questions, but after being at the zoo, I have to know what's like one of the top favorite species that you get the chance to work with no i like this question this i, is a I good hate question. that question because i hate when people ask me what's your favorite snake like, i have I a favorite <laughs> i can never answer that effectively because i'll yeah. tell you what it is and then three seconds later i'll see something
2: totally different and be like
1: oh but that one's really cool, cool too, too. <laughs>
2: it's it's funny because if you if you look at like my posts or talk to my girlfriend like every animal is my favorite animal like yeah. anytime I put, like, this is this is one of my top favorite <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like that with everything um man, that, it's such a hard question to ask because one we're huge we have a huge collection and there's a lot of different animals in there and mm. we actually have some of my like some of my top favorite animals but um i had the, the opportunity to work with the the cassowary which oh, is pretty yes. cool yes uh, yeah. i'm mostly a reptile keeper but been doing, you know, work with her. And, and that's, that's my all time favorite animal. That is a, a dinosaur. I don't care who you
3: ask. Yeah. Asked mm-hmm. like yes, yeah. 100%. Yes. It's a
2: freaking dinosaur, you know. And, yes. and uh, working with that bird has been really, really cool for me. Um, I haven't worked with our giant anteaters, but I really love giant anteaters. I think they're Oof. just fucking cool animals. Those are cool. Um, you know, we, we have some of those. We have the uh, giant Indian hornbills, which I think are, you know, beautiful, beautiful birds. Um, I've had a chance to work a, a very small amount with them. Um, and then of, of course the Komodos. I mean, yeah. you know, you guys, you guys saw the Komodos and they're absolutely incredible lizards. I know we talked about it before. Like I, I hate to say it. I do like croc monitors more than Komodos. <laughs> <Bless> um, <me. laughs> and I, I wish we had croc monitors still. We, we had shipped out our last one like a year ago, um, yeah. but the Komodos are, you know, they're right up there with them and, and they're just incredible animals going, you know, back to the intelligence thing. Like they're so smart. They mm-hmm. pay attention. They learn things so quickly. They recognize people. They have moods, and, and they're just, you know, really neat animals, and those are probably the ones I work the most with. Um, the crocs, like, we have them, and but we, we pretty much, like, leave them alone unless it's, like, feeding time. Yeah, uh, yeah, But The komodos, we actually get to interact with, and, you know, I'll sit and watch them sometimes, and it's it's just a, a totally different animal than, like, an iguana. And I'm not saying iguanas aren't intelligent, but they're just a different type of animal. Like, like the yeah. things that iguanas do during the day is different than what a komodo is doing during the day, and the way they look at you is different, process information is different and so yeah the komodos are definitely a highlight for me like when i was a kid going to that zoo i never thought that i would like end up working with the komodos there but i would always run to that exhibit and, like look through the glass at them and, mm-hmm. ah, you know it's, it's a fucking crazy lizard <laughs> <Hell yeah. laughs> and now here i am like you know i get to work with them every single day and it's uh it's definitely a dream come true so i guess like those you know those animals the cassowary and the komodo like that's the, the biggest one for me you know yeah. those
0: have been the most rewarding and I was definitely yeah. geeking out when I saw that cassowary. Yes. Like, it, yeah, Like, it's, it's so It is awesome. a dinosaur. Like, if you haven't seen one in it's... person, it is. Like, five. <laughs> they're so much bigger in person. They really are. <laughs> they really, really are. They're huge, yeah. and they've got these talons, and like, <laughs> it is a yeah. freaking velociraptor right in front of you, like an yeah. Raptor.
2: And they're yeah, like an overraptor, and they're not timid, like like she'll kick you for sure if you go in with her like it'll be game over like it's it's not even a question you know uh it's it's a very intimidating animal you know when she stands up she's taller than i am and uh you know that 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 ankle you know the ankle is as as thick as my calf is and and that one you know inner claw is probably four inches or so it's 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 terrifying Yeah. yeah yeah I, I, I can't imagine like
0: silent. walking around and just seeing one like if you're in the wild sure. and you just happen upon a castle i'd be like okay gotta go
2: yeah yeah like I've, i follow some people from australia and they'll, they'll post like a, a video of one just crossing the street i'm like good fucking lord like that's just the, the craziest thing ever you know? <laughs> just to watch that yeah i'll tell you like a, a really quick story that was like the weirdest thing for me i was driving out to the everglades one time i don't know if you guys made it down to the national park while you were here um, no, but it's no, sort of near no, no, where no, Tom yeah. Crushfields is.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: it's, like, out, out in the middle of nowhere. There's these long roads with these huge, like, crop fields on the side. And uh, the sun was going down in front of me, so I was driving into the sunset.
3: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so
2: everything that I was looking at was silhouetted, like, in black.
3: Yeah.
2: Because uh, the sun was on the other side of it. And there was – we have a lot of peacocks in Florida, like, in South Florida. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just peacocks that run everywhere. <laughs> and there was this peacock on, like a, like, a fence post on the right side of the road. It was silhouetted in black, and as I was driving up, it hopped down, ran across the road, and then disappeared into some crops. But the way that the sun was hitting it, and the way that the tail feathers were, it looked like a velociraptor <gasps> running across the road. And I, I like tripped the hell out. It was the craziest thing I've seen. <laughs> Panic. Like, for a moment, like I was in Jurassic Park. It was, it was just the coolest thing. So, oh, you know, that's just a peacock. Like if I was to see a cassowary do the same thing, I, I would absolutely. Crash into the side of the road. <laughs> but you gotta figure was, like how
0: many people yeah. don't realize that like that's what a peacock looks like running. Yeah, see it and then they report <laughs> like I saw a velociraptor. You can't tell yeah, me yeah, that it yeah. wasn't.
2: It was crazy. Like the tail was perfect. The head was bobbing. You know, and it was like it was just moving like a, like a velociraptor. And uh, it was Damn. the coolest thing. And
0: that's like yeah. roughly about the size of a velociraptor. So like. Yeah, uh, of an actual
2: Velociraptor. Yeah, most not the movie ones, like the actual ones. Might, Yeah. The ones in the movie, for anyone listening who has not researched this, uh, the ones in the movie are Deinonychus, yep. a, a larger species. Um, velociraptor is a cooler name, but they're a, a smaller animal. Yep. Uh, probably, yeah, probably about the size of a peacock, like six feet long with the tail, maybe three feet long. Yep. Um,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: Cool. Of the guy who's not a paleontologist, just a nerd, yeah, right? Because <laughs> I was like, Oh man, Utah Raptors,
0: yeah, oh, so cool. yeah, that <laughs> yeah, was really neat. That
2: was something else, so that's crazy.
0: Yeah. So, you also do some like taxidermy stuff, um, and so I mean, I don't know if it's everyone, but i super I'm super fascinated with taxidermy and like seeing things that are skin and all that different stuff. And a lot of people, I feel feel like it it kind of rubs them the wrong way, which like is just basically like, uh, kind of like a symptom of our system. People don't realize that their chicken at the grocery store comes from an actual bird. They don't know like, you know, I I feel like people see packaged goods or like live animals as different things. They don't see them as, as being the same thing. But I, I have right. a huge fascination with that taxidermy. So have you always been interested in that sort of stuff, or was it, like, something that you developed just being around stuff and seeing it?
2: Um, I think it kind of goes back to, like, you know, my childhood and the native village. Like, uh, you know, you, you would find, like, a snake shed in your backyard, and you'd keep it for a while because that was, like, the coolest freaking thing, um, you know, or something like that. And when you go to the native village, um, they would find, like, the little alligator teeth because alligators, you know, crocodilians shed their teeth all the time. Mm-hmm um so they would like find them and give them to me and as a kid that's the coolest thing and i always try to do that you know when i have like a kid that's really interested in asking good questions like i'll find a tooth and give it to them or because um, that was the stuff that like really was impactful to me and so as i got older like i would collect more things you know as i spent more time out in the everglades you know or other places in florida you'd find like turtle shells that are all dried out stuff so i'd collect that and then <clears throat> getting into like the business like you know we work with live animals eventually they all perish you know nothing lives forever yeah so i just wanted to see like what i could do with the animals that i was seeing you know being wasted because sometimes you know they'll just get buried or you know something like that and to me that was that was wasteful like there's still you know life to be had in that animal so I, i just started researching like how to do you know the stuff that i do skull cleaning and everything and I went through a lot of trial and error I went through several colonies of of domestic beetles before i I really figured out like what keeps them going how to get them to eat things properly without things falling apart mm-hmm. it stuff like that. So it's been it's been like a work in progress for years and I've had a lot of people you know help there's a lot of you know good resources online you can reach out to people that are really cool about it and we'll talk to you some people like closely guard their secrets. They'll never tell anyone because they think they're the (laughs) only one in the world that does it. Um, but there's, you know, been a few people out there that that are really cool about it. And, uh, it's, it's all been trial and error, you know, and and listening to them and seeing what works for me, because what works for like someone here in Florida where it's like hot and humid doesn't work for someone who's in Wisconsin or, you know, somewhere else where it's a little bit different because the Beatles are kind of picky about, you know, the, the conditions that they live in. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun though. Um, and it's crazy to see what people have in their freezers. Right? Uh, just, right? <laughs> oh, like, my goodness. that guy that shows up and they're like, hey, you want to see my collection? And I'm like, no, I want to see your freezer. Like, yes. What's, what's in there? Oof.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But seriously, like, it, it, it's crazy because everywhere where there are live animals is also dead animals too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, if you can give that animal a second life, if you can allow it to be used, because, like, we have a big common snapping turtle shell And we've had it at the store for years and years and years and years and years probably like 15 years or something Mm -hmm. but it was just kind of like around no one really used it and then when i started doing shows and tours at nerd i was like why aren't we using this this is a great tool to teach people about the inside of turtle shells so they can realize that it's not just like a hermit crab shell where he just ditches it it's like part of his body and right, right. when people see that, when they can see the inside of a turtle shell and see, oh my God, that's its ribs, that's its backbone. I have a ri- I have ribs, I have a backbone. It's just like me, it's not all that different. It allows them to kind of connect to that animal and helps them understand it better because I would often see people being really rough with tortoises. Like they go up and they pick them or they'll like knock, up on, knock on their shells or whatever. But if you show yeah. them, hey look, this is its back. If you're knocking on its back, it's like someone knocking on your forehead You should respect it. People can kind of put one and one together when they can get a chance to see it. But if you don't have those tools, if you're not utilizing those tools, it's tougher for people to kind of understand.
2: Absolutely. And that actually reminds me, I used to do a lot of sea turtle work um, for the museum that I worked at. And I used to do these programs um, at the museum before we went to the beach and and did like sea turtle nesting surveys and stuff. And I would always use this giant loggerhead sea turtle shell. I mean, this thing weighed like 50 pounds. It was was just just thick. It was solid. It was huge. Um, and I would talk to people about it because I had this, I had this crazy PowerPoint with all these slides, you know, about uh, turtles and traps and turtles mm-hmm. getting butchered for their shells and meat and stuff like that. And uh, it would, it would always hit home with people. But when I showed the shell, I would show the front, at, like the top of it first, um, and then I would flip it around so they could see the spine and ribs inside. Um, while there was a slide in the background of like turtle shell bracelets or something like that. And that. All got people when they realize like the turtle is attached to it like it is a part of them it grows with them from when they're a baby like that always drove the point home and uh, it was a really great tool like I'm big on using bio in my presentations um, Same. when yeah. I still did presentations I think they're you know a, a really useful tool like you can bring a live animal and that's great but if you don't have the ability to do that or you bring both you know bring a live animal and bring you know a, a dead counterpart um, for lack of a better word like that's a really cool way to, to show things that you might not be able to show with the live animal. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, I just, I really love that. Yeah, I try to do the the same thing,
0: and then, like, I'll say, if I get a full shed from a snake, I'll save it, so that if I get any kids, like you were saying, any kids that are, like, super enthusiastic, or, like, you know, are super into reptiles, I can be like, here, take this shed skin, you can have this really cool, and you can see the pattern on it and stuff, but that's the sort of of, stuff that keeps that, you know, fire burning for those kids to to keep continuing educating themselves about those animals. Mm
2: -hmm. Absolutely. When I was a kid, like, my dad took me over to one of his motorcycle friends, like, houses, and the guy had Burmese pythons. Um, this is back in like the '90s when when everybody had them, and uh, yeah, he gave me like a favorite snake. That shed was on my wall from that time. I was I don't know six, seven years old until like I graduated high school. Like mm-hmm. that was there forever. That shed is covered in dust and it's fallen apart at some parts, <laughs> but like that, like that shed, like kept me going. Like I thought that was the coolest thing, and and uh, it was probably only from like a like a twelve foot snake or something like that. That's but steep. to me, it was huge. It was yeah. absolutely massive. Yeah. You know? And uh, that was, you know, just the coolest thing. So, yeah, like, I, I always try to reach out. You know, if, if a kid has really good questions, he's really into it and, and uh, you know, thinking about things, really excited. Like, I always try to give him a little something because that's the, the stuff that really sparked me when I was a kid and, and kept me going. And I think yeah. you got to keep doing that.
0: Yeah, I wish I had a place like, uh, you know, that was more into reptiles around me when I was a kid. Because my n- nearest reptile store was like 45 minutes away. Oh, and man. my local pet store was like, the dude was afraid of reptiles. So he had like an iguana, a leopard gecko, and anoles. And that's pretty much it. He didn't usually care right, too right. much as far as reptiles went. So I didn't get a lot of that like exposure to reptiles. I had one guy come to my birthday party and do like a reptile. Uh, program kind of and his rainforest reptiles. Who like now? I've worked with Mike Kowalski a bunch of times, and he's a, he's like one of my uh, you know colleagues, so to say. So so to say, he's come yeah. and talked on behalf of educational programs with us in Maine and Massachusetts and Rhode Island and Connecticut. And he's like a great guy, but he was like one of the only experiences I had when I was younger with really bigger snakes like I, I just knew people who had garter snakes and like one person who had a yeah, boa, yeah. and like not didn't get a lot of experience hands-on experience when I was a kid just because I didn't or in New England there's not a whole lot for that which is why I like that we get so many people coming into nerd and Zookery just to do tours and get hands-on with with these animals and when I was working in the pet store one of the big things that I loved doing was talking to people and find out who was afraid of snakes and try to get them to take the tour because at the beginning of the tour, they're terrified, and then by the end, they're holding ball pythons, and they have an appreciation for those animals. Yeah. One of my
1: favorite things that you do when people walk in the store is be like,
0: Giant Vietnamese centipede? Oh, yeah. Anybody want one? That's my favorite thing to do in the pet stores. No. Whenever people come into the store, I always like, hey, how you doing? You looking for anything specific? And then I'm like, oh, you're the person that was asking to buy the giant Vietnamese centipede. And people have one of two reactions. Either one, they're like, yes, I was here looking for centipedes. Or two, they're mortified down to their core. And they're like, nope, wasn't me. No, thank you. And I'm like, but do you want to see it? And they're like, ugh. Okay, yeah, I'll go to I'll look at it but don't take it out. I'm like, I'm not going to take it out. Let's go look at it. Yeah.
2: I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I always I always loved reading your stories on Facebook, um, you know, when you'd have someone come in that that had like a, you know, impactful interaction with you, you know, I'd, I would always read those stories. I'm like, man, that's that's just awesome because I I love seeing stuff like that and, and especially in a place where you guys are where there's not a lot of uh, you know, animal place. Like growing up in South Florida, there is animal places on every corner. Like, yeah, you're yeah. surrounded by it. But up there, you don't have that. And so you guys take that opportunity to get everybody, you know, who walks through those doors to appreciate, you know, something in the store. Whether Maybe it's not everything, but one thing that they came in hating or disliking, and then they leave, you know, having a better appreciation for it. Like, I, I love sure. when you guys do that. So I always love reading your, uh, your accounts of those uh, those tales.
0: Yeah, that's like one of the most satisfying yeah. things of, of, of working there is getting to teach people about them. And it's, it's so funny because... We do a lot of like birthday programs where we'll have you know a kid who comes in for a birthday party, but he brings his whole family and all his friends. So inevitably there's like two people who are like, I'm only here cause I love this kid. And I'm like, well guess <laughs> right, what? Right. By the end of this program, you're gonna at least tolerate these animals. <laughs>
2: You're going to love Indian ornamentals. Well, yeah. Sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. I get a lot of people who specifically request, they're like, no spiders, sorry, not. And I'm like, well, I've got spiders tattooed all over me, so you're going to have to be okay with at least seeing a spider yeah. because yeah. I'm going to talk about them just a little bit. Or for those programs I like to like bring in hissing cockroaches or something that's not a spider, but like close enough where people are like, oh, that's so creepy. Yeah.
2: hissing cockroaches are like the best educational tool. They're So awesome. at, oh, yeah. at the
0: museum that I mentioned earlier, like hissing cockroach
2: was the first animal you handled. And yes. like that was, that was like your initiation, you know, because everybody was always like, oh, I don't want to handle that. To me, it was no big deal. But like seeing other people that were in my animal handling class. You know, react to that. I was like, wow, this is actually a a big deal.
3: Yeah. And then they
2: overcome it. And then they get to do that to other people where they're like, no, 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 check this thing out. It's actually really fucking cool. And uh, like, that that was one of my favorite educational animals. Anytime I would do a reptile show to school, I'd also bring a Madagascar history because I just think, you know, they're the best. They're great cause You it's bring like, like five or six and let a kid hold them and they're just like freaking out, but it's awesome at the same time. Yeah. And there's no yeah. risk
0: of them really getting hurt because like the first thing people ask is like, is it going mean, to bite me? And I'm like, well, they don't bite. They don't sting. Yeah. They have like little barbs in their legs. So if you try to like grab them, they might poke you with their legs, but there's no venom. They don't, you know, they're they're harmless. Right, right. They're harmless. Yeah. And, yeah. and just it's getting to see crazy. people get over that is, is pretty cool.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 100%. Uh, should, I was just going to say something like uh, that. I completely forgot what it was oh we had a, a lady one time that requested no turtles at her party what? at her daughter's what? party she was like absolutely no turtles and i was like you gotta be kidding me like I, I always start with a box turtle <laughs> or something like that like like people love how do you not love a turtle i've never met anyone that met a turtle and afterwards was like i'm good like turtles <laughs> are cool so i brought one in a box and i i, uh, I did the majority of the presentation and then I, I specifically asked, like, I kind of wanted to gauge the crowd and see, like, you know, how are we all For feeling? Reason.
3: Yeah.
2: And everybody seemed pretty cool. So I, I asked the mom, and I was like, listen, I brought a turtle. I want to bring it out. I think everyone's going to be all right with it. And she she agreed to it, and everybody loved it. It was, like, not a big deal at all. So I don't know what their interaction was with turtles before. I don't know if it was, like, that turtle from Family
0: Guy or whatever. But, um, <laughs> you know what a problem was? It's probably the kid. Was like, I want a turtle. I want one so bad. And they're like, if this kid sees an actual turtle in person, I'm gonna have to get a turtle.
2: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, you might be right. That's like the only thing I could think of.
0: You yeah, because something I like, like that's so benign. It's I like, feel like she said she was
2: scared of him, but I don't remember. That was oof. a long time ago. Yeah, but yeah, that was. Just I'm one afraid one of, those.
1: of moving shells. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's a turtle. Like, turtles are the best, man. Yeah. They yeah. Like,
0: trees. of doing all my years of programs, I think that was, like, probably the most popular program or program animal that I had. Because you can bring yeah. out, I brought blood pythons, I brought tiger rat snakes, I brought, like, leopard geckos, grassy geckos, all these different animals. You know, it doesn't yeah. matter what, like, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but people were into some <laughs> of the other things. Chameleons are cool. But mm-hmm. if people can see a turtle in person, yeah. and then, like, if you can, like, if you have an aquatic turtle and you like, show that it can flip itself over off of its back,
2: whoa, Right, people right.
0: lose their minds, yeah, they're yeah. like,
2: whoa! They go no ape shit over that stuff, we yeah. used to do that with the box turtles, we'd flip them over, and, and they'd flip themselves back, and people were, like, cheering and clapping. Yep, and every <laughs> single time, we used to I do... Do,
0: when I do the tours, I do that with a snapping turtle, and people are like, oh, oh, it's so, yes, yeah. that's the best crazy. thing!
2: <laughs> yeah, it's so awesome. We used to do uh, these things called turtle races. So we would get like hula hoops or these like big giant hoops that we would make with like rope or something. Yeah. You get everybody on the ground, like kneeling around the edge of the hoop. And then you put like a box turtle, um, a slider of some sort and a gopher tortoise in the middle, you know, and just let them go and see who reaches the edge of the ring first. <laughs> and you'd have like like people cheering for each turtle, like slapping the ground, just screaming their minds out like, oh! <laughs> just like. So fucking excited for these turtles. And they're just walking around, you know, and, and it was just like the best. People would get so into it. And then you just talk to them about turtles after. And, yep. and they sit and they listen and they love them. And it's, it's just amazing. So That's moral awesome. of the story, turtles fucking rule. Yeah, and, turtles uh, are the best. 100%. Yeah. Show army for life. <laughs>
3: yeah. Oh that man, is awesome.
0: <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's just like the way that you get to people is let them kind of interact because it's one thing for people to see a turtle, but if they can get close to it or even pet it, that like that changes yeah. people.
1: It's, yeah, absolutely, percent man. When I yeah. remember uh, when I was working at when I was volunteering at one of my local zoos in Western Mass, like we had this like massive boa constrictor that mm. was probably morbidly obese oh yeah 100 um but uh it was like the nicest boa like you literally just pick it up and it's like what up bro you know and like that's it you know so like when we would go and do like probably didn't have the muscle
2: mass to do anything yeah exactly exactly (laughs) um
1: but you know so we'd take that to like the summer camp presentations Mm -hmm. or whatever and like people are like oh my god big snake and then they just see it kind of like plopped there and they're like oh it's not that bad you know yeah. Like, yeah you can come and touch it and everything and like that that like physical interaction is such a, a, a necessary tool to get that switch to go off you Yeah. Know, from because i mean again like you're just saying just looking at it is one thing but and you know to me it's like well you could just look at it on tv too mm-hmm. you know you don't even yeah. need to be at a zoo or something like that you know um, yeah. So it's like there's like that incremental step. It's like okay, saw it on TV, cool. Saw it in, in a person, zoo, yeah. okay, cool. That's actually a lot bigger than I thought. And then being able to then touch it, it's yeah. like ah, it has been completed, and now I love this th- creature. You know, yeah, that's so that brings vital. up
2: a, Another point uh, is like you have to you got to pick the right animals for presentations like 100%. that. When it's people that yes. are per- potentially nervous around them, like like I know some people that'll do a show and they'll go and grab like a like a wild i don't know rat snake the night before or something like that and then it you know or they'll bring like a like a crazy spilotes or something not that all spilotes are crazy but like they'll bring like something crazy because they want to like show off yeah, uh, blow yeah. it in its face and making a strike at them and stuff and you, you just watch people like horrified and that like that sends the wrong message you know yeah. you bring something calm and and manageable and uh you know ease people into it so that they can you know get over their fear you don't want to show them you know a reason to be fearful for you know any sort of reason, you know uh, in our native village shows We we would do like a venomous nature But we'd always start with a non venomous and we would make it bite us every time We would put it on our thigh and then put our forearm like on top of it and Kind of smush it a little bit mm-hmm. and it was usually like a water snake some sort of nerodia or something like that um, And we would make it bite us so that we could show people like what a non venomous bite looks like compared to a venomous It was like the most ridiculous thing but it, it never really got reactions. Like it just made people uneasy, and, yeah. and like some people would run away. And I just stopped doing it after a while. I was like, this is not it's like not getting. Helping. It's not helping at all. Exactly. Um, and so I, I always appreciate when people like choose the right animal. Like you don't want to bring, uh, let's say, a coming eye to a, a birthday party that's yeah. going to be totally unmanageable and bite someone. Yeah. face off. Yeah. That you know, could be, like,
1: I mean, that could also be a really fun birthday. That's, just that's for
0: the people who have all their own reptiles. Right, right, right. <laughs> that's right, the special right. birthday party. Yeah, but when it's, you know, a family that just has
2: like a dog or a cat, they're yeah. not really reptile people, but they kind of want to see them because it's something different. Like, you know, bring a ball python or whatever it is that you're going to bring that's manageable and, and, you know, comforting for them. Yeah. not something... That's something crazy that you're gonna have to wrestle, or might get out of your hands. Like I've, yeah. I've definitely yeah. had—I've <laughs> had my miss outs during presentations. I've done probably thousands of them, but mm-hmm. I never intentionally brought uh, animals like that um, for classroom presentations. You know yeah. that I had to like battle with.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. I think that one of our most popular animal animals, animals, animals on our tours that we do at Nerd is I've got a couple different leucistic ball pythons, mm-hmm. just all white with the blue yeah. eyes, and yeah, yeah. all of their names are Marshmallow. And right. people fall in love with marshmallow because they're like, I know what a yeah. marshmallow is. Marshmallows don't hurt you. And then I hand right. them this all white snake and they're like, oh my God, it looks just like a marshmallow. It's puffy and white and it's cute. Yeah. And every I have people that come back and do the tour like every weekend just to hang out yeah. with marshmallow.
2: Just Yeah. And they ask for it by name, right? Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah every time that gets people we had a like an albino berm named lemon you know yep. and, and people would ask for that that berm you know year after year i would go to schools did you bring lemon this year and it's like you know that's really cool because that that animal made an impact that lasted you know not a couple of days not a couple of hours it, you know years yeah a yeah, year, yeah. And, yeah. Uh,
0: we have an albino berm called scrambled scrambled eggs because he's yellow and white and people love that nice stuff. They love yeah, it.
2: yeah 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 <laughs> I think everyone's fallen in love with an albino berm at some point in their life. Like, you know, that was just like the thing,
1: the big yellow snake, the yeah, big yellow snake. Always. Rob's never <laughs> oh,
0: fallen gosh. in love with a Burmese I'm, python. I'm morally ever. opposed to Burmese pythons. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I mean,
1: <laughs> Rob's like, Burmese check out this albino cool blood. Bed. I'm like, It's just as fat, <laughs> but
2: twice as likely to lose its mind. Yeah. <laughs> You know what the best is that I, I loved bringing for a while to, to schools were the uh, European legless lizards. Uh, you know, oh, killed the, the yeah. or whatever. Yep. You pull one of those out, and people are like, snake, immediately, you know? Yep. And it's so cool when you tell them that it's a fucking lizard. They're like, no, get the hell out of here. Like, <laughs> people are losing their minds. Like, I don't believe you. Straight yep. up And then you, you show them, like, it blink, and, yep. like, that's it. Or it has ears, and, th- and they just fucking lose it. And it's, it's the, really the coolest <laughs> thing. For people sure. don't even know those things exist. yeah <laughs> yep. there's so many really cool animals for that stuff.
0: yeah, I, I think that as people are getting better at keeping things and keeping them alive and keeping them well, I think that there's going to be that need for more unusual animals and programs because like, you know, everyone, when I bring when I do a regular program at a birthday party or something, I usually bring a variety of things that, most of them may have seen. I bring like leopard geckos. I bring crested geckos. I bring some bearded yep. dragons. I bring a tortoise, a chameleon, some ball pythons, and things like that. And as more people are keeping reptiles, and it's like becoming more almost like mainstream. You know, almost yep. at every party I do, someone's like, "Oh, I know somebody with a bearded dragon," or you know, my right, school right. had one, or, or this mm-hmm. or the other thing and so that's why i gear a lot of my information more about like where the animal comes from why it is the way it is the way that it's shaped the way it is or has scales or whatever and so people can kind of learn a little bit more background about it but as i'm doing more programs i'm getting people who are like no i've seen all of those things what do you have that's not those and i've had some really cool birthday parties where you know it's like 25 or 30 year olds and i'm doing birthday parties for them and they're like okay I've got a Blood Python, a Jungle Carb Python, a couple Ball Pythons, and a Burmese Python. Show me something different. And I like those programs, too, because I can bring out something that's a little bit more unusual and talk about stuff that I don't usually get to talk about. Yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah. Have you guys ever seen a Lucy King how
0: about now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or a
2: Boland's python, or you know something crazy. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I have brought Boland's pythons to birthday parties before yeah. uh, for people who have got a bunch of their own reptiles and stuff, and and that one always right. really gets people. Yeah, remember that what
1: we had somebody tank. call to do a private tour with Kev, and they're like, uh-huh. I specifically want to see Boland's pythons. Yes, yep. I'm right. <laughs> happy. Yeah, that. that was the request. He was like, I don't need to see anything but Boland's pythons. <laughs> so we're like.
0: Really? We'll make it happen.
1: You're <laughs> gonna come here just for the
0: just for the Bolins, Out of That's everything
1: all. that we have, just, okay, cool, bro. That's I, fine.
0: I guess the, I I feel like jaded almost because I've been working with Bolins pythons for like eight years now. So they're right. when I see them, I'm not like oh. Wow, look at that thing! I'm like, oh, it's a ball python. Its cage is pooped because they poop every ten minutes on the <laughs> on the dot. They poop, and they like to smear Isn't it everywhere. True? And I'm like, why do you do this to me?
1: They they do poop a lot a compared lot. to many other compared to everything. Species. They're like wow. a
0: crebo. They poop so wow. much.
2: <laughs> yeah, that puts it into perspective because kribo shit everywhere. They're just non venomous cobras. <laughs> yes, and yeah.
0: exactly. Yeah. They, and and Bullens it. are it's just all like over. that. So when well, people are like, I need that. to see a ball python, I'm like. Oh, All right, <laughs> okay, I guess.
1: Yeah, give me give me five minutes. I gotta clean it off. Yeah, I gotta wipe it off because it likes
0: to poop and then slither through it. Sorry, <laughs> oh, yeah. that's so crazy. I did not know that about them. Yeah, I, that's one of the their well hidden secrets is that they're <laughs> they're basically just creepos. <laughs> cool. Just wait till the word gets out. Oh god, <laughs> they're so, so cool. Crazy. So you have had a, a lot of different kinds of reptiles and you've got some amazing baron's racers they are so freaking cool yes <laughs> um do you feel like your perspective on keeping has changed over the last couple of years or uh, as your career has gone on do you feel like your perspective on keeping them has changed a lot
2: yeah definitely like uh, specifically the past few years but like really within the past year i've really taken a step back to look at you know how i'm keeping my animals and everything and um like i i was when I first got my Venomous license, like I went absolutely ape shit. I had cages from floor to ceiling. You know, <laughs> I had I had Venomous everywhere. I was working for strictly um, around that time, so I, I got to cherry pick all the shipments that came in. Yeah. I was like, I'll take one of those. I'll take <laughs> ten of those. Like, you know, everything. And I I had so much stuff, and I just got so overwhelmed with it. You know, I wasn't able to appreciate. I couldn't even see half of them because I had you know racks and vision cages stacked on top of each other and. Um, you know, it would take me forever, it'd probably take me two days to go through and feed everything just because there's so many and, and I just wasn't appreciating them. Like I saw them when they came in, you know, I'd see them when I'd open a tub and that was it. And so like I started scaling back a lot and as I started working for the zoo, like I saw, you know, these big habitats that we can make that are, you know, bioactive. You have, you know, waterfalls and, and live plants and stuff like that. And and the more I've traveled to other countries and seen like animals that I keep in the wild mm-hmm you know, doing their natural thing in these huge open spaces, I'm like, wow, like I could be providing so much more for my animals. And we're starting to see the reptiles respond to enrichment a lot more. So, um, you know, I've, I've taken a step back. I've thinned thinned down my herd a bunch. I've, you know, just started to keep things that I, I really, really enjoy and just trying to set them up as, as big and, and, you know, as natural as I can. And, uh, you know, I, I try to keep things different for them i try to give enrichment just like i would at the zoo you know um and i you know savvy does the same thing for her animals and uh like i don't know if you guys saw on her story yesterday she had hung up a bunch of like red meat for the for the monitors and everything yes. to kind of mm-hmm. pull on and stuff like i think that's hugely important you see these people walking around with you know huge fat boa constrictors or, or big just bloated savannah monitors and stuff like that mm-hmm. they're like yeah check out how big and chunky my savannah is I'm like it looks nothing like it would in the wild it's a balloon yeah you know yeah. it's not healthy it doesn't have energy it doesn't have muscle. It's, you know so so i've really been trying to take a step back and, and give my animals you know my few animals the care that they really really need and deserve and just try to i've been trying to get other people to do the same as well like i you know i i get the whole rack thing i get having a huge collection and it it definitely works for some people but um you know i've really just started to enjoy watching my animals more and watching them interact with the habitat and and the enrichment that I give them, and I think that's so rewarding. Like, I kind of lost that rewarding feeling of when I was a kid and I had one bearded dragon that I would spend all my time with, mm-hmm. you know, like like hand-feeding it crickets and watching it just, like, run around its enclosure and bask and stuff. Like, it went from that to keeping a shit ton of things in little enclosures on newspaper um, to, you know, now I'm, I'm trying to build big habitats and, and just provide as much as I can.
0: Hell yeah. So, yeah I, I that think that there's like this huge shift happening right now in the reptile like hobby. And yeah. there's some people who think that if you aren't doing it one way, you're just like the worst person in the world. And I think that mm-hmm. it it definitely depends on what sort of animal you're keeping and and what your goal is with those animals to, right. to really feel fulfilled because you know, it's it's one thing to have, you know, full bioactive enclosure and to have these animals in, like, full light lit displays and all this sort of stuff, but there's some animals that just, like, oh, I'm not really cool with that. Like, my yeah pythons and oh, short tails are, like, one of my favorites, and they're an animal, like, if you want to do bioactive, you'd have to have, like, an eight or ten foot enclosure for one animal to right. feel right. happy and to be able to, like, do it properly, and it's just, like, not yeah. practical for most people. But then there's, like... Yeah lots of push for bioactive and like gecko. I think the gecko hobby and like the frog hobby, their ability to go crazy with the bioactive stuff is like unparalleled to like just about anything else in the hobby. I think that they've, they've all this potential and I like the, the changes that I'm seeing that I see with them.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. The definitely like the amphibians and even some of the invert people and stuff and, Mm -hmm. and geckos, like you said, like they're getting really crazy with their habitat. There's, all sorts of new you know, products coming out on the, on the market that are just awesome for those sorts of things. And, and I've seen some beautiful, beautiful setups. Um, and I'm not saying that everybody should be keeping bioactive. Like what I'm saying is, is like, if you choose, if you're, if you're like, all right, I'm going to get monitors, you know, let's say you want to get a water monitor or whatever, like don't just keep that animal in a six foot vision and be like, well, that's the biggest cage they make. That's, you know, I'm doing the best I can, Yeah. you know, like, like build something, you know, if you're going to go in for it, like, you Do have it. to, yeah, you Do have it. to build something yeah. custom. Build them something, yeah, it's got to be custom. You got to give them space to, to be the lizard that they are. Exactly. Um, same thing with retics. Like, I'm not going to mention any names, but there's people that breed thousands of retics every year, mm-hmm. you know, and in every color under the sun. But, like, where are those animals going? Are they just going into racks? Mm-hmm. Are they going into six-foot visions? Like, you know, an 18, 20-foot retic is a really big snake. And they're a yep. lot more active than people think. Like, I always heard the excuse, like, oh, yeah, you know, these big snakes, like, they'll curl up in one spot in the wild and they'll live there for months at a time just waiting for food to come to them. But if you ever watch a retake on, like, in the wild or in a really big exhibit, they're, they're moving. super active snakes. They're yeah. almost like Kribos. Like, they're moving. They're exploring things. You know, we had a, a big retake enclosure at the village and there was a telephone pole in the middle or uh, it was a palm tree or something like that but it was a, a straight pole right in the middle yeah. and every day at the same exact time that retake would climb it in that have you ever seen them climb like a straight oh, yeah. pole in yeah. that, yep. that crazy fashion yeah they do that uh, that amazing thing and then he would go to the top coil around it and bask in that spot every day and then he'd come down and he'd go and cruise around his waterfall and, and back around and, and coil up and so they use a lot of space and I think you have to provide that for them you know and so I just uh, I want to see more people pushing for that and I, I do I definitely like have noticed more people are getting excited about building big things and, you know and uh, and trying different things out and, and seeing what they can get away with um, trying different enrichment and stuff like that and, and it's it's really making me happy and, and proud to see a lot of people go in that way so,
0: I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm really curious to see where the future goes because I think that as things change and progress you know, in in our lifetime, the hobby has progressed and changed so much. So like, much. Oh yeah. An insane amount. Like an unbelievable yeah. amount of changes happen, and just yeah. to think about where it's going to go in the next five to ten to twenty years is like I can't even imagine where it's, it's going to go. Yeah.
1: It's yeah. nuts. I agree. Um, did you see, uh, Ryan? I don't know if you follow Steve Tillis at all.
2: Um, no, I'm not familiar. Oh,
1: he's uh, he's up in the Gainesville area in Florida. Um, But he was just designing uh, some new spacers and stuff on, like, Freedom Breeder racks racks, so that you could essentially, like, double the height of, like, a a CB-70 rack or something, like, the space between the bins and essentially turn them into cages. Yeah. Um, Oh, wow. uh, So you offer some more... Uh, space to them and he had just posted a photo on his story the other day he his like uh, his first prototype was done Mm -hmm. and he was able to Uh get a cage insert that was probably i think so what like 16 by 33 by like 12 inches tall Mm -hmm. Uh, and then that uh the bin that's underneath it then becomes you can make that like four and a half inches of just straight bedding, you know, so if you want to do that bioactive aspect, like you can then do that because you can put that much bedding in there and there's still plenty of space for whatever you're going to keep in there. So his thought process is to be able to do that with like even some of their larger bins. That's the one that I
0: saw. Yeah. It was his double wire tubs. Yeah. So that was,
1: that was really interesting. That one. Yeah. He's, he's just like, he's just using a 3d printer Mm -hmm. and just creating these inserts that can go in and, and expand each level. You know, and I was like, dude, that's that's freaking genius. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like, You just outfit the front with a frame so you can put a door on it. Yep, and you're pretty much good to go. And I was like that's badass. Yeah. And then (laughs) Yeah,
2: we need that that innovative sort of uh, you know, move. We need people thinking about things like that. Like what can we do with what we have already? Or what can we change and move forward with Exactly I'm
0: it's looking it's at other ways. parts of the like animal keeping hobby hobby and there's like the the fish people are like light years ahead of reptile people <laughs> <Okay>. and <laughs> I'm watching these guys I was like literally was just curious one day and I was like looking at different things and they've got things that auto check your salinity for your water your pH and like auto top offs yeah, not... and they've got these things that like create light cycle so like it slowly ramps up your lights during the morning so it's not like boom the lights are on it's like a slow slow, like natural sunrise sunrise and then they've got the same thing at the end of the day and then they can have it so it's like a lightning storm and all this stuff and I'm like you know what reptile people have a thermostat that works most of the time (laughs) and it's like are you kidding me (laughs) but it's just I think that like just just looking at where it could go I think there's this huge potential for change going on in the future
2: yeah, sure. I, think that, I think that stuff is hugely important. Like, there's a, a guy in Florida that uh, keeps pangolins, and um, yeah. he has, like, a, a whole thing set up on an iPad where you can do, like, rainstorms within the enclosures to, you know, stimulate breeding, and like you said, with the lights coming on, you know, low at first and then building up slowly. Like, that stuff is, you know, next generation. The fish people are already doing it. You know, all those, those guys are doing it. I think it needs to come into the reptile world because you know life cycles are hugely important to to reptiles a -hmm. lot of people don't realize that they're like why isn't my animal breeding you know i've done everything else right Uh, it's like well you have it in a room with you know no windows and the lights on 24 hours or it has no light or you know whatever it's just a heat pad like those you know that circadian rhythm rhythm is is very important and uh i think as we start to explore things like what those fish guys are doing we're going to find that you know animals that were impossible to breed you know throughout the years that people just Or like, nope, that species is tough to breed, I'm not going to work with it. Like We might actually be able to figure them out and and start producing. and I think
0: that'd be really cool. Hell yeah, very true. Yeah, man. All right, so we're reaching just about our time. So before we wrap up, I want to ask you, I usually ask people this towards the end or we ask people this at the end of the podcast. Is there anything going on in the realm of reptiles or, you know, exotics, any sort of that sort of stuff, that gets you excited right now for the future? Is there? Is there something that's going on right now? It doesn't have to be like a, a more for a specific species or anything like that. Anything in particular that's got you excited about, you know, reptiles?
2: Oh, man, that's such a hard question. I know. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, spending my time in quarantine, I've just been scrolling through Instagram every day seeing things that I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Um, yes. just, it's hard to, like, keep track of what's going on, but um, fuck, I might have to write in later with my answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> I I but I just, I love seeing people, you know, breeding species that are that are critically endangered. Um, like, I'm good friends with a lot of people that, that breed, like, radiated and galops and stuff like that. And, and mm. I just, I absolutely love that stuff. One, tortoises are the, are the best. And, you know, when you have these people breeding you know, the right subspecies to the right subspecies and making sure that the lineages are, you know, not overlapping and stuff like that. Like, I I just think that's really cool. It's a lot of work that goes into it, you know, making sure you know where your animals came from and what they're related to and everything. And and, uh, to keep that stuff going is, you know, hugely important. Um, Like I said, I'm going to have to think about that because there's there's a lot of cool things. I don't want to leave anybody out. There's so much cool shit going on.
0: No, I know. Um, I feel you. I'll
2: have to write it to you guys later. That's a good question.
0: So if people want to find more about you, where should they go?
2: Uh, I actually just have an Instagram for now. That's Um, where it's at. Keep it simple. Yeah. You know, (laughs) zookeeper underscore Ryan. That's me. I'm I'm always down to talk to people about anything. You know, I answer questions all the time. And, you know, I enjoy talking to people and and about anything, really. If it's animals, that's great. If it's other stuff, that's cool, too. But, um, yeah, everybody can reach out to me on Instagram. You know, I'm pretty friendly, I think. I mean me and Rob have known each other online for years since Amazon Alliance. Like that was you A know, bazillion years ago. Years ago. <laughs> yeah, so long ago. Amazon Trebo was for Hell the yeah. win. I have to send you um, a picture
0: of one that we're getting in uh, next week.
2: Uh oh that you're, awesome. one, you're, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's
0: good you're gonna like it. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. I may or may, may not have initiated
1: the purchase of that animal for <laughs> you
2: guys. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. I don't even know if I want to see it. <laughs> I might be better off not seeing it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, cool, man. But, so thank you very much yeah. for coming
0: on. We're going to have to yeah, have man. you on again sometime soon. Yeah, and please. This was fun. Cool, man. Have a nice night. Sweet. All right, guys. Take care. See ya.